0: Is here today. Second Kings four. 2 Kings four. 2 Kings four. Second Kings four when you get. They're going to read verses one through seven together. Second, Second Kings four, verses one through seven. I do want to thank you, thank God, for all of our guests that are here. I do appreciate you being with us today. Pray, God speed, God's blessing upon you that you do flourish and abound and experience all the blessings and the goodness that God has for you in this place. I want to thank our powerful praise team for ministering the way they do today. (laughs) Setting the atmosphere for God to move. 2 Kings 4, Thank you there? Okay, verses 1 through 7. Let's read that together today. Verses 1 through 7. 2 Kings 4, verses 1 through 7. If you have it in uh, your Bible is great. If you don't, it's on the screen in front of you. Even for our viewers at home, it's on the screen in front of you. So make sure that even at home or at work, wherever you are, you're reading along and taking full part in everything that we do here together in the sanctuary. Amen. Okay, if you have not let's read together. Ready, read. A certain widow of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take away my sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her... Verse 4, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from behind, went from him, verse 5, and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Today I want to talk in the subject, shut the door behind you. Shut the door behind Behind you. Tell your neighbor, shut the, behind you. shut the door behind you. Father, today I ask you, Lord, to give me grace, your ability, your wisdom, and the energy I need to minister this word of God today. I pray that God, your word would go forth unhindered by any outside force. We come against any demonic distraction or disturbance. We pray that every heart is prepared for the word of God. I pray now that God, you give me divine utterance to speak things I have not thought, divine unction to move in ways I have not seen. And I pray that God, as your word is received by your people, you will confirm the word with signs following in each and every one of our lives. Today, continue to have your way in this time. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. All right. Shut the door behind you. Now, today we're we're celebrating uh, Rosh Hashanah. And we... Gave this proclamation a few moments ago. Shana Tova. Shana Tova, everybody say that. Say Shana Tova. Shana Tova, Shana Tova literally means "have." Uh, may you have a good year. It means good year, but it, it's a greeting at the beginning of the year to say, "May you have a good year. May you have a prosperous year in every way, in every area in your life." How many of y'all want that? Yeah. Uh, I, I want you to really understand. Some of you may be new to this whole concept, but uh, you know God does not operate by man's calendar. How many of y'all understand that? God does not operate by man's calendar. God has His own calendar. God has His own ti- His own timing, right? And on God's calendar, New Year starts this weekend. I said, New Year starts this weekend. On man's calendar, the Roman calendar, the, the Gregorian calendar, New Year starts on January January one. But on God's calendar, New Year starts this weekend. Rosh Hashanah. The word, the phrase, the the, the name Rosh Hashanah. Rosh means head. Hashanah means year. So Rosh Hashanah means Head of the year. This is the beginning of the year on God's calendar, and if you and I were synchronized with God, we can operate uh, three or four months ahead of the world. I don't know if you know this, but in in the business world, they tell you one of the one of the keys key elements of business success, of becoming prosperous in business, is to find out where everybody's going and get there first. That's 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 a key concept of business success is if you find out where everybody else is going, find out what the trend is going to be, and you get there first. Well, you and I, if we synchronize with God, we're getting there first. Hallelujah. We're getting there first because the new year starts now. Everybody say the new year starts now. New year starts now. Psalm 65 verse 1 says, you crown the year with your goodness. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. 65 verse 11, I'm sorry, 65 verse 11 says that, that you crown your year, the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. Your paths, so he crowns the year. Crown means surround. So God, he's gonna make sure his goodness is at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year. So God doesn't have a downtime in his year, there's no downtime on God's calendar. Everything about God's calendar, about God's year is good. He, it says in Psalm 65 verse 11 again, you crown, you surround, you encompass, you encircle the year with your goodness. And your paths drip with abundance. Hallelujah. So Rosh Hashanah, we're in a new year. Now, it, you, you and I know this because we've celebrated many New Years before. That you, you, when you go into a new year, you're closing one year and opening another year. Right? And I want you to remember that throughout the course of this message, however long that God gives us today. Uh, because it, this opening and closing concept is so important to what I want to bring you today. That today we're op- we're closing one year or we're closing the door on one year and we're opening the door on a new year. Y'all get this. Grab this right now. Opening and closing. Closing and opening. In fact, I want you to get it that way closing and opening. Because that's the order that you and I must operate in is that we learn to close things before we open the next thing. Hallelujah. You don't begin a relationship with a new boo without closing out the relationship. Come on now. With the old boo. Tell you that, your boos should not overlap. Your That's, that's ratchet. Don't let your booze overlap. End it with one before you begin it with a new one. Y'all got it. All right, I got to move fast. So we're, we're if um, on our Roman calendar, we're in the year uh, 2023 going into 2024. But on God's calendar, we're ending the year 2023. 5783 and moving to the year 5784, and it starts now. It doesn't start in January, it starts now. So we're already entering now 5784. Now, you know, I've preached many years, you know, the last several years, I give you some prophetic word about, you know, based on the numbers and all that kind of good stuff. I'm not doing that. God didn't give me that for you this year. He gave me something that we need to deal with with that's particular to. you, me, this church, this ministry, our individual lives, all of us together. Yes, so we're at 57 to 84. The, the number four is represented in the Hebrew alphabet by the, the letter Dalet. dalet. Right? Yes, dalet. Uh, we talked about, I don't want to get too deep in that. Aleph, that's A. Bet, or bet, right? Then gimel, so A, B, C. D, the equivalent of our A, B, C, D. Okay, in in the Hebrew there's only twenty two letters, not twenty six, and it's not called the alphabet; it's called the Aleph Bet. Tell your baby you're going to school right now. You're going to school. It's <laughs> the Aleph Bet, twenty two letters, starts with Aleph, Bet, Gemel, and then Dalet. Dalet is the fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, yes. 5784. This is the fourth year of this decade. Yes, yes. Got it? Yes. So we're on the number four. Now, I'm not a numbers guy, but the Lord gave us 2 Kings 4 right. for today. Yes. The number four is pictured, uh, it's the, again the Hebrew letter Dalet. And if the media put up the picture of that Dalet that I sent to you, that uh, Dalet picture is a picture of a door. That's every Hebrew alphabet, uh, letter rather, every Hebrew letter ha- is a, not only a, a letter, but it has a numerical value, four, for the dalet, but it also has a pictorial meaning. Yes. It's a picture of something. Yes. Remember last year, Gamel yes. was a picture of the camel. Yes. We talked about the camels coming. Yes. Well, now we're at the dalet year. It's a picture of a door that is open. That's what it represents, a door that is open. Everybody say, there's a door open. A door. Hallelujah. But I want to remind you that before you can open doors, you must close some doors. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a picture of a door. We, we use doors uh, every day. Don't we use doors, right? Uh, to to leave one room and enter another room, yes. to leave one environment and into le- another, another environment, to leave one atmosphere and step into a, a different atmosphere, to leave one location and step to another location. Yes, Are y'all hearing this? Yes, so we change places, we change environments, we even by the Spirit change realms and dimensions. Wow. Anybody here hear me? Because doors in the spirit represents a movement from one realm to another realm, from one dimension to another dimension. We call them also portals. Hallelujah. So today is a day of of entering into a new dimension, a new realm. But before you can step into and operate in that new dimension, that new realm, you must shut the door on the old dimension or the old realm. Are y'all hearing me? So doors are indicative of change. Doors are indicative of transition. Doors are indicative of relocation. Tell somebody I'm about to relocate. I, I'm about to relocate. I'm about to change my position. I'm about to change my territory. I'm about to change my my my, my whole outlook is everything about my life is about to change because this today I'm stepping into another door. I'm stepping through another door. There's a door open to me, but before I do that, I gotta close some doors on some things, some places, some people, some environments. Some influences, some atmospheres that have been hindering me. And God doesn't want you and me being hindered by anything, but He said, Listen, before you step through this open door, you got to close this other door. All y'all hear me this morning? All right? So, doors indicate change. In John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, Jesus says, I am the door. Notice what Jesus, how he identifies himself. He says, I am the door. He said in that same chapter of John, I'm the shepherd, the good shepherd. He's the I am. But he identifies himself in John 10 verse 9. He says, I am the door. He said, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That word saved means delivered, brought into victory, brought into into preservation, healed and prosperous. He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, he does not mean, listen to me very carefully. He does not mean that when you go through that door, now you go in and go back out. He means now once you're in, because I'm going to show you this here in a few minutes. Once you pass the door of of the Lord, now you go in and out throughout the territory, throughout the kingdom of God. You go in and out and find pasture. You don't go back out into the world and find pasture. I'm never going back. Somebody tell your neighbor, I'm never going back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm never going back. Thank you, Jesus. He said, I'm the door. He said, you are going in and find pasture. Then he goes on to say in verse 10, you know this one, the thief does not come except to steal and to what? And to what? I have come. Remember, he said, I'm the door. And I have come that you, that they might have life and that you might have it how? So when you pass through that door, you're going to pass into abundant life. A life where you enjoy everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of y'all want to enjoy life all the time? Well, there's a door to that enjoyable life. There's a door, there's a passageway, there's a portal into that life that God has for us to enjoy. So through this text that we see in John 10, 9 and 10, the Lord is inviting us to move into a new dimension of living. From natural living, listen to this, to supernatural living. From the frustration, watch this. This is going to be very very important. From the frustration of nothingness to the satisfaction of fullness. Um, Media product, I don't know if you can get to it, John 10, verse 10. When Jesus said, I have come that you may have and enjoy life. In Amplified Classic, I have come that you might have and enjoy life, that you might have it in abundance to the full, till it overflows. So notice the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, if someone steals from you, they're going to leave you with nothing. If he kills, if he destroys, his goal is to leave you with nothing. So when the devil has you in his grips, like we're all born in his grips, you are born into nothing. But if you come through the door of Jesus... You go from nothingness to fullness. I have come that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full. Till it overflows. Till it overflows. Till it overflows. overflows. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So notice again, he's inviting us to leave the frustration of nothingness to go to the satisfaction of fullness. Psalm 36 verse 8. Says they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. With the what? Fullness. fullness of your house. Now, if you want to come and enjoy the fullness of my house, you must pass through the door. Jesus said, I am the door. So you can't enjoy the fullness of my house until you pass through my door. As long as you're outside, you're stuck with nothing. But I don't want you to have nothing. I'm inviting you to come. Oh, God. I'm inviting you to enter in through this door, says the Lord. Oh, y'all hear me today? God doesn't like nothingness. God hates nothingness. You think you're frustrated. God's frustrated. God hates nothingness. He likes fullness. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, the Bible says that the earth was without form and void. Earth was without form and void. What does void mean? Avoid. Void means nothing, means empty. The earth had nothing. The earth was was without form and void. And verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. I hate God hates darkness. God hates nothingness. God hates emptiness. And so he spoke light. And then he began to create animals and fish and all the birds and everything to, to fill the earth. But then down in verse 26 to 28, he, he created man. Talks about how his plan for man. And God said in verse 28 he said, Let them fill the earth. He gave man the order to fill the earth because God doesn't like emptiness, God hates nothing. That's why I thank you, Holy Ghost. God said, when I take you into the promised land, children of Israel, he said, I'm going to give you houses full of all good things which you do not provide. So God says, I'm not going to give you an empty house. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. I hear that. God, I hear that. Somebody better shout about that. He's not going to give you an empty house. He said, a house is full of all good things. God told Abraham in the 15th chapter of Genesis, he said, Abraham, he said, the children of Israel, he said, your children, your descendants, they're going to go into a land and be slaves for 400 years. He says, but they're going to come out after 400 years. He says, and when they come out, they're not going to come out empty-handed. God hates empty. If your hands, your pockets, your accounts are empty, God hates it more than you hate it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm a natural father, but I always made it a habit when my children were leaving my presence that they always had something in their pocket. I don't want you going somewhere empty. I don't want you going somewhere you need to make a phone call, need to buy something, need to get somewhere, and you you can't get it. No, you're going to have something because I hate empty. Now, if I, being evil, know how to give good things to my children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. God hates nothingness. He loves fullness. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your substance, with your wealth, your possessions, the first fruits of all of your increase. He says, so shall your barns be what? Filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. God hates nothingness god hates emptiness it frustrates god to see his children walking through the grocery store having to calculate and having to tabulate y'all 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 y'all, y'all didn't y'all didn't say nothing i said god it frustrates god to have to watch his children his children who never beg bread having to walk through the grocery store with a calculator trying to tabulate and don't dare shame God by putting something back. <laughs> now I know we, we've all done it. But what I'm saying is God hates that. And He doesn't want you to stay there. Tell so, neighbor, you may be there now, but you're not gonna stay there. God's about to fill your life. Soon as you open this door, soon as you go to this door, soon as you close that door. And open this door, God's gonna fill your life up. And you'll never have to calculate ever again at any store. No, y'all didn't. Y'all didn't y'all didn't say nothing. I don't just mean the grocery store. I said at any store. I said at any store. Look, look at give me give me John. Give me John 16. John 16, John 16, verse 23 and 24. John 16, verse 23 and 24, I receive. John 16, verse 23 and 24. I want to show you how Jesus and the Father want you full. Look at this. It says, and in that day, this is Jesus talking. He says, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name. I wonder if anybody can grab a hold of that. Marquise, you got it, didn't you? Marquise got it. Y'all are grown for and not get it, but Marquise got it. He said, In that day you will ask me nothing. He said, I if whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Verse 24 Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask. And you will receive that your joy. So not only will your pocket be full. Not only will your cabinets be full, your refrigerator be full, your house be full, your garage be full, your driveway be full, your life be full, but your joy. As a matter of fact, the implication he says is, he he says, I want to give these things to you so your joy can be full. I don't want you having half joy. I want your joy full. So God wants you and me to leave emptiness and nothingness and step over into its fullness. Go to the main text here. Go to the main text in 2 Kings 4. Lord, help me get through part of this here today. We see here this widow. Bible says a certain woman, her husband was dead. So she's a widow. And she was living with nothing and about to lose the only hope she had of ever having something. Her husband was dead. And then the Bible says that the creditors were coming to take away her sons. Her sons were her only hope because as a widow woman in those days, she, there was no Social Security There was no pension, no disability. There was no retirement money. There was nothing. She had no means, no economic means of sustaining herself. And then you come take away her sons, she's lost all hope. So this is a very dire, very desperate situation she's in. Oh, I know none of you have ever been there. But it's, 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 it's. It's bad. Everybody says bad. She, in our day, we, we would say she was shooting bad. <laughs> Notice the Bible says in verse 1, certain woman of the widows of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah saying, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. Isn't that interesting? The servant, the dead man, he while he was alive, he feared the Lord. He served God. Yet it says, and you know... He said, and the creditor, she said, is coming to take away my, take my sons to be his slaves. That's what debt does. Debt enslaves you at some point or another. I got three amens on that one. Listen, I, I got a whole book full of debts in my office. Y'all, y'all got to respond better than that. Some of y'all feel the weight of that ball and chain around your ankles and even around your neck the slavery, and the oppression of debt. But I'm inviting you today to close one door and open another door. Verse 2, so Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, I want you to hear this statement for this widow woman. She said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Notice she's living on nothing. Again, I don't know how many of you have been there, but I've testified to you about my wife and I, how we have been there in that place of nothing. We would come here to the church and work and serve and minister seven days a week and leave this building heading home not knowing how we're going to eat or how we're going to feed our children. Because we were living on nothing. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. hallelujah. We know that feeling very well. We're we very well acquainted with the frustration of nothingness. Times where I cried out to God and I would even yell at God, shake my fist in God's face and says, God, I would say, God, if you were my son, I wouldn't let you live like that. No, I did. I, I got indignant a couple times with God and he didn't even respond to me. Because God doesn't respond to stupid. Because what the Holy Spirit did quietly let me know that he's not the one letting me live like this. I needed a change in my mind, a change in my belief system, a change in my behaviors, a change in my faith talk, my faith walk. But if you've ever been living on nothing, now you ain't got to raise your hand if that's you right now. But if you're ever living on nothing, it's, it's depressing and it's frustrating. When you look around, all you have is nothing. This widow, imagine she had been married for many years. And at the golden age of her life, had nothing to show for it. What is it like when you've been married for a long time? And together you have nothing to show for it. Don't come down your alley in a minute. What does it feel like when you spent years in college? Four years, six years, eight years in college. And nothing to show for it. But broken dreams and student loan debt. They told me if I went to college, don't worry about these loans. You're going to get a good job. They'll be paid off in no time. They're going to be able to get you a good house and a nice car and the best clothes. And they showed you the picture of everybody being happy and you didn't know that it was all a trick. Yet you spent all the years in college and now have nothing to show for it. Broken dream and student loan debt. What does it feel like when you spent 20, 30 years of your life on a job with nothing to show for it? You worked. You clocked in. You clocked out. You clocked in. You did overtime. Worked on holidays. Missed vacations with your family. Skipped time in church. Worked all hard for the man. All these years. And nothing. You remember Jacob? Abraham's grandson Jacob. 30th chapter of Genesis. When Jacob had already worked seven years to get a wife and got tricked. He wanted wanted to marry Rachel. But he got Leah instead. Leah wasn't that fair. You know, she wasn't that nice to look at. But he wanted Rachel. Rachel was so bad that the Bible said when he kissed her, he cried. (laughs) My God. He must have felt like Jonathan Hijackson felt at his wedding. (laughs) Jonathan kissed Aisha and started jumping and leaping and speaking in tongues. (laughs) What kind of kiss was that? I'm glad I had my eyes closed at the time. But he worked all those years and didn't get Rachel. But then he had worked seven more years to get Rachel. Now he's working. He spent now 20 years working for his father-in-law. And the Bible says in Genesis 30, right around verse 30, the Bible talks about how 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 Jacob said to his father-in-law. He said, "Look, when I got here, you had nothing. But because of the blessing, you've increased." He said, "But when am I going to make something out for me and for my family?" other words, you're blessed, Laban, but I have nothing. And you can spend years working for the man, working for somebody, and help make them rich. I'm going to come over here. And make them rich. And at the end of the day, for yourself, you have nothing. How frustrating, how depressing can it be when you tally up everything and you have Of course, we know God gave Jacob a supernatural idea and changed his life forever. Go to Luke 5. Go to Luke 5. What, what, what is it like, Laquanda, when you work hard? Anybody here work hard? Don't, don't fool me now. Don't, just raise your hand. You work hard. I mean, I don't mean you go to work and work a lot. I mean, you work hard. You actually put in work. You don't just go and clock in and try to steal the people hours. I mean, you actually go and you work hard. I remember I used to work at McDonald's, Gersham, back in 88 uh, and 89. I worked at McDonald's, 4th Street. And uh, my, my the, the boss uh, lady used to tell me, hey, clean, don't lean. Don't lean. <laughs> Any of y'all ever worked in fast food, you know. they, No, we ain't got time for you to be leaning. You better clean. we paying you to clean. We're paying you to work. We're not paying you to chill out. All of y'all here that work in fast food or that kind of retail restaurant industry, get off your cell phone. Thank you. This is a public service announcement. Please stay off your cell phone while you're working. But look in Luke 5. We see a man, uh, Peter, who worked hard. Look at Luke 5, verse 4. It says, when he had stopped speaking, Jesus stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Verse 5, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled. We've toiled, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. How frustrating can it be? Now listen, you got to understand, Peter wasn't just saying we went out there and caught nothing and you know it's cool uh, because you know we'll go out there tomorrow and try it again. I was just out here for fun. See, I'm a fun fisherman. When I go fishing, it's just for fun. I'm not fishing to eat, fishing to pay, pay bills and feed my family. I'm fishing for fun. So if I don't catch anything but mosquitoes, it's all right. I'm going to come back another time and try it again. But if Peter don't catch anything, he don't eat. His family doesn't eat. The, The village doesn't eat. So this was not just a small deal to him. He said, I've told I've worked hard all night and caught nothing. That's frustrating. And he said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Verse 6, when they had done this, they caught a great catch of fish, a great number of fish, and their nets, uh, their net was breaking. What happened? They went from nothingness to fullness. Jesus. Add a word. At, at a word one tell tell your neighbor all you need is one word. That word is a door. Yes. Oh. John 21, we see the same thing happen again. John 21, Peter and the boys... They go out there and they say, we're going to go back to fishing. This wasn't just a casual, you know, hobby trip. They're going back to fishing. They're going back to the natural. They're leaving. They've been living with Jesus Christ, walking with him for three and a half years, walking in the supernatural. And they decide Jesus is not around here anymore. We're going to go back to the natural. We're going to go back fishing. He said, I'm going fishing. You read in other translations, I'm going back to the fishing business. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Now they are experienced fishermen and still caught nothing. They had gone back to living in the natural realm where they had they had missed that for three and a half years where Jesus Christ was taking good care of them, but now they're going back to the natural realm, and when back in the natural, back in the world, back in the flesh, they were catching. Nothing. You better catch this trend here. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude. So notice they went from nothingness to fullness because they got a word from the Lord. That word is a door. Are y'all catching this this morning? Hallelujah. Look at Mark 5, 25. I'm looking at the King James Version. I'm going to let y'all go in a few minutes here. I need you to get this here, though. Because this is a big day. Hallelujah. It's a big moment. Glory to God. It's a life-changing moment. Hallelujah. In Mark five twenty-five, I'm in mean the King James. says, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood, how long? Twelve years. And had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had. She had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all she had. She had suffered many things, and had spent all she had. She had suffered many things, and spent all she had, and was nothing bettered." What is it like when you now have nothing? Remember, she spent all she had. So now financially, she has nothing. Physically, she has nothing. And when they come for a report, hey, how you feeling? Is everything getting better? Nothing. You feeling anything changing? Nothing. Matter of fact, what I do feel is I'm getting worse. I'm getting worse. It's bad when you can go from bad to worse. From nothing to less than nothing. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. You know the story. When she heard of Jesus, okay. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt on her body that she was healed of that plague. I want you to get this. Leaning on the natural world will only produce nothing. Leaning on this natural world. Oh, man, I wish y'all would catch me. I, I wish I was telling my wife today, I said, you know, as I was thinking about all the debt that people are in and all the financial uh, hardships people are in, I'm, I'm thinking the worse off you are, the better candidate you ought to be just bump that world system. Man. This, this, this mess ain't working. I mean, I know some of y'all, you might only have, a, you know, a couple hundred dollars in debt, but some people have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I'm thinking, boy, the ones with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, you ought to be the prime candidate. But, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting off that train over there. Because this mess ain't working. Come on. That's right, Come on, sir. Because John 6:63, 6, it says, it is a spirit who gives life, the flesh... Oh, y'all didn't read it. It is a spirit who gives life. The flesh, come on. The flesh avails, the flesh produces nothing. So if you're living on nothing, the reason is, you better catch this, because you keep leaning on the flesh. I'll come over here. If you're living on nothing continuously, feel trapped in it, It's because you are continuously leaning on the flesh. Now I'm walking with God. Yes, you walk with God because you read your Bible, you pray, you come to church on Sunday. But when you go back out of these doors, you're leaning on the flesh. You're letting man give you their idea of how to gather your day. You're letting man give you their idea of how to come up. Everybody trying to come up. And you go all over YouTube and Instagram and find somebody going to give you an idea on how to come up and not get into the word of God and get into his kingdom Y'all quiet in this Baptist church and get into his word and say, God, you tell me how I come up. You keep coming up with a new idea every three months, every six months, you got a new idea on how you're going to come up, how you're going to come out, and you end up in the same trap, the same hole, the same nothing. God, what's wrong? You ain't work with me? No. Because for you to work with me, for me to work with you, you got to close that door and open this door. I um, put a, put a, uh, send you a photo of something called an air-supported building, an air-supported building. This is an, an air-supported building. Um, I've been looking at buildings, trying to figure out, let the Lord tell me how are we going to do this. I've been trying to look for, I need like a quick fix. I, I know we want to build a big sanctuary, a big church, but I need like, okay, what do we do in the meantime to seat all the folk that God is sending us right now? Because we're already past the, the, the mark. And uh, so I've been looking at these different little kind of quick temporary things you can put up. And one thing I came across, and, and uh, one, I, was, I learned about this from uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Thad last week. We were having dinner, and he talked talking about these air-supported buildings. That church he was attending at one time they were using that temporarily and then the air-supported building you see looks make sure it's on the screen for everybody it's it's um uh, like a dome a baby dome where's Oscar like a baby dome and in the air-supported building the the roof there there's no there's no metal framing there's nothing up above to hold the roof up building actually is, it, it inflates. And and so what, it's pressurized then by the HVAC, the air conditioning system. But to enter the, the, the building, there are two sets of doors. You first, there's first an exterior door uh, that brings you from outside into uh, one part of the building. Now, when you enter that door, you're not actually in the building. You're just in the passageway between the outside and the inside. Because there's another door you must pass through to actually get into the building. And the reason is, is because the the building is pressurized. And if you were to open, have both doors open at the same time, the building would deflate. You can't open the exterior door, leave the exterior door open, and then open the interior door at the same time and enter in. It would deflate the building. So to properly enter these buildings, you have to enter in, past the exterior door and then close the door behind you. And once you close the door behind you, now you're in a holding period. You're in a transitional place. You're not in yet, but you're not out there anymore. But because you've now closed the door behind you, now you can open the door to the inside and enter in and go in and out and find pasture. That's how these buildings work. So the problem with people in the kingdom of God is... They're saying, God, I want you to fix me. God, I want you to heal me. God, I want you to work for me. God, I want you to deliver me. God, I want you to break, break me out, but break, bring me through. But the problem is you've got both doors open. And the reason life keeps crashing is because you didn't close the door to the outside. You're keeping both doors open. So if you decide, if you feel like it, you can still go back out. You're not all the way in yet. You've not made up your mind yet. I'm going to do it God's way and only God's way. I'm going to try Jesus and he's all I'm going to try. I'm going to try Jesus. He's all I need. Because you still have your own ideas and some advisor and some mentor and some counselor giving you worldly advice and worldly wisdom. You don't realize what you're doing is you're keeping the door open to the exterior. And you will endanger yourself. And your family is in the house. The only way, Chris, you can do this properly is you must close the exterior door. Shut off the exterior options. When, when, when Jesus told Peter, launch out into the deep, let down your net for a drop. And Peter said, master, we've told all night we've caught nothing. Then he said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let on the net. When he said nevertheless, what he was doing was he was closing that door. Door to what, Pastor? The door to conventional wisdom. Because he was a, an experienced fisherman. All of his fisherman expertise told him, You don't fish in the morning like this. Jesus, Jesus, you're just a preacher. You don't know what you're talking about. But he said, nevertheless, at your word, which means I'm gonna close that exterior door to man's wisdom and now open the door you just set for me to go in. And because he opened that new door, now he's something to a place where he went from nothingness out there to fullness. In why is it working, Pastor? Why am I why do I keep bumping my head? Because you're trying to keep both doors open. Tell your neighbor it won't work like that. It, 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 won't, it won't work. You can't, you can't, you can't keep dibble dabbling with the world. Right. And the world's wisdom, the world's knowledge. Right. I'll tell my wife, right, I said, you know, I remember when we came out of debt. And this message isn't about being out of being out of debt. I know the story talks about that, but this is not what it's all about. This message is about just walking through the things of God. But when we came out of debt, we were so bad and had tried our own stupid ways so much and failed, we finally said, bump it, man. We're just going to do whatever God said. See how quiet y'all are? They're, they're, you're quiet because most of y'all aren't there yet. You got one more idea. You got one more advisor you want to talk to. You got one more little plan. I got one more video to watch. And if you don't fix that, you cannot. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Give me, me y'all. I know I didn't give you this note. Matthew six twenty four. Matthew six, I believe is verse twenty four. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit knows the Bible. No one can open two doors. (laughs) Y'all see it, right? No one can have two doors open at the same time. No one can serve two masters. Either you must close the one and open the other Or you must open the one and close the other. You cannot serve God and the mammon, the world financial system. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Y'all just went Presbyterian on me. You cannot do both. You cannot serve two masters. You got to love the one, hate the other, or you must... Be loyal to one and despise the other. You you, you got to close off one. In other, words, in other words, God is not, he is not interested in your spiritual adultery. Either you're going to be with me or be with the devil. You can't two-time God. <laughs> you might cheat on your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your boo, they don't know. But God, you, you ain't, there ain't, there ain't, there ain't, there ain't there ain't a, a text you can hide from God. You can't have a secret P.O. box and God don't know about it. You can't have a special rendezvous and God don't know about it. God knows your heart. He knows your ways. He's watching everything you do. And I don't just mean about sin. I'm talking about everything in your life. And if you're going to keep trying to play both ways, play both systems, God said, no, I'm going to shut the door on you, you can't come in here. Wow. Glory to God. Go ahead, so go Somebody say, today is the day. Is the day. I'm, closing the the I'm closing the door on the world. And I'm walking through the door of the kingdom. The of the kingdom. Yes. Give, give me five more minutes. I'm, I'm 2 just... Kings 4, this woman, she's in a desperate situation. But she got a word from the Lord. Again, 2 Kings 4, verse 2, Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall do what? Shut the door behind you, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. Notice, we see doors mentioned twice here. He said, "When you come in, now first of all, he said, here, here's the word, here's the word. I say, here's the word. Go to all your neighbors and your friends and borrow vessels. Borrow empty vessels. Not just a few, borrow many. Get all the vessels you can get your hands on. Go to everybody in town and get your hands on all the empty vessels you can get your hands on. Y'all got it? Now, what to, to do that, she has to go out of the house and operate in the natural. Now, she went in and, and gathered many vessels. But they were all empty. So even though she got the vessels, she still had nothing, and they were borrowed vessels, which means—oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. That's a good point right there, Holy Spirit. I just caught that. You can't pay off debt with borrowing from somewhere else. Thank you, Lord. Because 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 she had to give those vessels back. Man. Thank you. Hold. That's good right there. That's good right there. So, notice notice the man of God tells her he said in verse 4, "When you have come in, shut the door behind you and your sons." Why did he tell her to shut the door behind her? Because I mean, why? This, this she's going to the house. There's no there's no physical Reason she has to shut the house, shut the door. Everybody knows it's bad. Everybody knows her house is empty. She don't have no furniture. Right? We know she on no furniture. Because when the man of God asked her, what do you have in your house? She said, I got nothing but this drawer for. I don't, have, I don't have a bed. I don't have no sofa. My big screen TV, we used to watch Super Bowl on and watch Colorado on. Big screen TV is gone. They already, took, they already took my bed. Creditors already got all my my, my lazy boy furniture. The credit already got all that stuff. They've already gotten everything. everything been repossessed. They got my car. Took, they took the kids' tricycles back. The kids' PlayStation gone. They got the PlayStation, yeah, because we financed that through Badcock. Badcock had uh, PlayStation, and we financed that through Badcock. So um, um, they got the PlayStation, they're gone now. And all we have in the house is just a little jar of oil. So her poverty, her dire straits was no secret to anybody. Why would the man of God say, shut the door behind you? Because it, there was a prophetic implication of this. That when she went out and borrowed from everybody, that was a natural thing. But your miracle is not going to come in the natural. Your miracle is going to come in the supernatural. And for the supernatural to work, you got to shut the door behind you. Notice he didn't say, shut the door in front of you. So he didn't say, shut the door in front of you, looking at it. He said, shut the door behind you, which means once you enter in, don't look back to that. Your natural, your emptiness, your nothingness is over. I don't want you depending on the world, depending on your friends, depending on anybody else, you shut the door behind you. Don't look back there because your miracle is not back there. Your breakthrough is not back there. Your healing is not back there. Your deliverance is not back there. You do remember Lot's wife. Why did Lot's wife not survive? Because although she left, she looked back. She looked behind her. Tell your neighbor, don't look behind you anymore. Your miracle's not behind you. Your miracle ain't where you left it. You. Your miracle is where you're going. Your deliverance is in the supernatural. Your deliverance is in a new dimension, a new realm, a new atmosphere. So notice, notice here. Notice here the Bible says, he says, says, when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour. Y'all got to catch it. She's about to see a miracle, but the miracle's not going to happen until you shut the door. This is so basic, y'all are missing it. It's so basic, y'all are missing it. Y'all want something deep. It ain't deep. This is this is just this, is just, this is simply syntax. This is sentence syntax right here. He says, "Shut the door." Then, so you can't pour. Now wait a minute. Now she had she had oil, right? A little oil in a jar. A little oil in a jar. Now, if she hadn't shut the door, which was prophetically meaning. Closing off the old way, the old wisdom, exterior knowledge. Then she would have poured out of that jar, but it would not have filled one vessel. Y'all got to catch it. When the prophet gives you a word, don't alter the instructions. Y'all don't like this. When the prophetic voice of prosperity gives you a word... Don't you go alter and modify the instructions and say, well, no, I don't like how Pastor said that. I'm going to I'm gonna try it this way because Pastor, well, that may work for him, but no, it's not going to work for me. No, when God gives your word through me or any other prophetic voice, come on, come on. do it exactly the way they said, do it. See how quiet y'all are right there? That's that's why you're still in debt. Do it exactly the way they said, do it. Because the instruction wasn't coming from Elisha, it was coming through Elisha. So it's from God. So when the voice of God speaks, do exactly what God says. So when you shut the door behind you, then pour, pour it out, pour it pour it into. It means the oil in your jar, pour it into all those vessels. She only had a jar, but she's borrowing vessels. Vessels are going to sit real tall off the ground. Vessels, real tall, but she got a little jar. How in the world is she gonna fill all those vessels from that little jar? Because the oil wasn't gonna be coming from the jar. The oil was gonna be coming through the jar. Oh, they got it on there. I like this side. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, the oil's not coming from the jar. It's coming through the jar. Which means your miracle isn't coming from you, it's coming through you. It's not coming from All God needs you to do is obey his word. Do what he says. And the requirement is you shut the door to the outside. Shut the door to conventional wisdom. Shut the door to what they say. And open the door to what he says. And he says shut the door. And then pour it out. So imagine this lady, Elder Baker, she got the jar and she pours the oil. She knows what she had in that little jar. She know a little old jar. She's look at the little jar and the big old vessel, vessel number one out of 3,500 vessels. Vessel number one. And she pouring. And the more she pours, she looking there. It's still going. And that vessel's full. And the Bible says she would say, okay, the vessel's full. She would say, bring another one. And the boys would bring another vessel. like, okay, I know how much much oil I had in here. Somebody shout miracle. See, if you can ever get God involved in your situation, he going to take your little and turn it into much. Didn't he do it with two fish? Oh, I'm going to come back over here. Didn't he do it with two fish and five loaves of bread that a little boy had? Every time they broke, more came. Every time they broke, more came. It doesn't matter what you have if you put it in God's hands. If you do what God said, He will turn your little into much. And so, and so when you come, shut the door. Tell your neighbor, shut the door. Shut the door. Tell, tell them, shut the door behind you. Shut it behind you. No, you're talking to the wrong person. Find somebody else. Tell them, shut the door behind you. Shut, shut the door. Shut the door. Shut the door. It ain't working out there. No, y'all missed it. Tell, tell somebody else. You still find a one. You might have to get up find somebody else because your person next to you. Tell them it ain't working. That ain't working. That ain't working. No, that ain't working. It ain't worked yet. And it ain't gonna work. It ain't worked in 20 years. It ain't gonna work in year 21. You might as well shut the doggone door. Because the miracle process, the supernatural supply from God cannot be even released until you shut the door. And once you shut the door, now supernatural supply. Is released and that little jar of oil. Jesus. You write one little book and sell a hundred thousand copies of it. You wrote it one time. You produce one little song and it goes number one on iTunes and it gets you five million dollars. See how quiet y'all are, y'all ain't sending Can you just can you just write the one book can you just produce the one song can you just do the one video can you just just do just just the one just god I don't have much but but what do you have but but what no what I, I, I don't I know I'm asking what but but what do you have I have nothing no you have something the jar of oil was something she said I don't I have nothing but it's your butt that God's gonna use to change your life. Oh, Jesus! It's the butt God's gonna use to change. I don't have nothing but this recipe. I don't have nothing but this one idea. I don't have nothing but this one song. I don't have nothing but, one, but nothing but this one word. That's all. That's all I got. I got nothing but this one lawnmower. I got nothing but but this. But there's one cell phone. God, show me how to take this cell phone. Somebody me how to take this cell phone and make $5 million off this cell phone. It's all I have. I don't, I don't have nothing but one hammer. I don't have nothing but but just one. I, that's all I have. All I got, God, is just one box of trash bags. This, what can I do with one box of trash bags? I I have nothing but a jar of oil. But once you close the door on natural, human, conventional wisdom and open a door on the wisdom of God, now He'll tell you what to do with your nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, shut the door behind you. Shut the door behind you. I'm about to quit, Dominic. Dominic, I'm done. I'm done. Come on, I'm done. Shut the door behind you. Shut the door behind you. Uh, shut the door behind you. Shut the door behind you. That's that's it. Tell your neighbor shut the door behind you. Shut it. Shut it behind you. Shut... I'm, I'm shutting that. Light. This this it ain't worked in ten years. I'm gonna keep beating this dead horse. This horse dead. I'm gonna keep beating this dead horse. No, this mess ain't worked. on that debt? No, man. 20 years on that thing? No, man. Ain't nobody got that kind of time. I'm shutting that door right there. It ain't work. Then then, then it said, go go to verse verse 5. Verse 5. Go to verse 5. Go to verse 5. So she went from him and shut the door. Door. I know it says door, but I'm saying it like we said in the hood, door. So they neighbor, shut the door. She did it. She did it. You remember in Luke 5? In Luke 5? remember in Luke? Y'all remember Luke 5 when Jesus told Peter, launch, na- launch out into the deep, let your nest down for a draw. And Peter said, Master, we've taught all night, nevertheless at your word. He said, we've caught nothing, nevertheless at your word, we'll let none the let. And in verse, verse 6 says, and when they had done this. And when they have done this, you gotta do what he telling you to do. Shut the door on your on your sense or your nonsense, and just do what he tells you to do. Because your answer, your deliverance, your breakthrough, your miracle is not in your sense. You ain't got that much sense, baby. If you have sense, you'd already been out. Your deliverance is in His wisdom, in His instruction, in His word. That's it. I'll finish this next time. Get on, your feet. Get, on your feet. Get on your feet. Get on your feet. Get on your feet. I'll finish it. I'll finish it next time. Y'all come back. I got more. Operating, I receive when you operate in the kingdom of God, you can't cooperate with the flesh. I said, when you're operating in the kingdom of God, you can't cooperate with the flesh, you can't look back. In Luke 9 62, in Luke 9 62, Jesus said something, He said, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back. Is fit for the kingdom. That's Luke nine sixty two. No one having put his hand at the plow and looking back is fit. When you're plowing, you got to look forward. First of all, in that day plowing, there were oxen pulling them. And oxen don't know how to walk in straight lines. You got a God option in straight lines. And you wanna make straight lines for your peas and your taters and your carrots. And you gotta watch out for obstacles. You're, you're doing something forward. I was so grateful, you know, the praise him and I we didn't we don't coordinate preaching and praise, in other words, what they're gonna sing and what I'm gonna minister. Maybe one day we'll do that. We'll get that sophisticated to coordinate. But when they were singing about how I'm never going back, how, how they go, I'm never, never looking back, never going back, whatever it is, I'm like, that's powerful. Because that's what I'm preaching today. No one who looks back is fit for the kingdom. You're not fit to receive kingdom manifestation. You have to, you have to operate in a place. Of um, forgetting those things which are behind me. Remember what Paul said in Philippians? And reaching forward to those things which are before me, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Everybody lift those hands. I want you to say this if you have that termination that you're not going back, say, Lord, I'm never going back. I'm closing the door. On my past, past. I'm closing the door. door. On my failures. Peter and his brothers, his his partners have fished all night and failed. You got to catch that. For them, that whole business was a failure. But when they got a word from Jesus they had to close the door on those failures. So we, you and I, we've all experienced some failures. Am I right about it? anybody here? But when you get a word from God, you've got to close the door on your failures so you can open the door on the success that's lying in front of you. I see everyone in this, in this room walking into great success. I see you walking in prosperity. I see you walking in health and wholeness. I see you walking in victory. I see you living happy, living joyfully, living in abundance. I see you living in what the Bible calls, watch this, the fullness of the blessing of the Lord. The fullness of the blessing. No longer the nothingness of the curse of the enemy but the fullness of the blessing of the Lord. Father today I release what you've given me for your people and I pray that each person today who's heard this word that you give them divine and prophetic understanding that if I didn't explain it well, they still got it because you explained it to them. You're the teacher, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. Teach them, give them understanding of this word. That they, each, every one of us, may shut doors <laughs> to our past, to our failures to rejection and abandonment, to all the depression, all the things that have been in our lives heretofore. And I pray that your people will begin to walk in the prosperity and the abundance, the miracle place. Yeah, place. The place. The place of miracles. The place. There's a place. Yes, there's a place. There's a place for miracles in our life. There's a place that we have to get to, a place God was going to take care of Elijah, his prophet, his servant, the prophet. He told Elijah, get down to the brook Cherith. I've commanded Ravens to sustain you there. Then to get over there to Zarephath, I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you there. There's a place for your prosperity, a place for your miracles, a place for your divine supply. You've got to get there. Only there will the oil flow. Only there will the oil flow. Father, today I commend these, your people, to you. And I ask that God, you show us what doors we must close in our lives so we can open the door called Jesus. The door into green pastures. Show us people... Places, things, habits, traditions, every hindrance, natural wisdom, we can shut those doors and enter that place you have for us to enjoy. I speak blessing and prosperity, provision and abundance, healing and wholeness. I call it done now in Jesus' mighty name. So be it. Amen. Give God a hand of praise today.